With your hosts, Tim Weisberg and Matt Costa. Good evening and welcome to Spooky South Coast. Tim Weisberg here, along with the silent assassin, Matt Costa, and science advisor, Matt Moniz. And man, it feels like I was just here like 12 hours ago. Oh, right, because I was. I want to thank everybody that's tuning in for the first time after listening to me on the radio this morning from 6 to 9. I'll be here every Saturday morning. And uh, I, I promise you that uh, we'll definitely mix in some paranormal stuff uh, in the mornings from time to time. But you know, when you want to talk about the paranormal, you want to come to Spooky South Coast because, let's face it, we're the guys that can do it. Anybody else on this station, you know, they're just pale imitations of us. And uh, we are glad to be here with you. We're here each and every Saturday night from 10 to midnight, depending on the Red Sox. Thankfully, they played earlier today, uh, so we don't have to worry about sitting here because that was my big fear when we got our, our special guest for tonight to come into the studio with us, I said, I can just picture this being one of those nights when the Red Sox go to like 1145 and we have a 15 minute show. <laughs> so I made sure that I found a date that worked where they were playing early because Amy Bruni from Ghost Hunters is here with us in the studio. Hi. How's it going? It's going good. How are you? Oh, we are doing well. Uh, spooktacular, as we say. Oh, fancy. And I think people, you know, we, we've been putting up on social media all week long how, you know, Amy from Ghost Hunters is joining us. But I think people don't know you've been... A, part of the spooky family for a long time a long time you know and it was so funny i was remembering today that gosh was it five years ago matt moniz yep. crashed on my couch in california <laughs> yep <laughs> <laughs> and it, it's it's funny because uh you know when we first started talking to you you were way on the other side of the country yes and i guess because you thought you know the show was so good you decided to relocate I just, yeah i wanted to move <laughs> as close to spooky south coast as possible understandable understandable <laughs> yeah it's really bizarre because i was thinking about how i used to listen to you guys like years and years ago before yeah, i was ever she on used Ghost to Hunters. she doesn't anymore right, well, well, i'm a little busy now i have like this kid thing and all <laughs> but uh happy mother's day we're really you. good thank for putting you. kids to sleep Really? Yeah, we're good. I'm going to remember too. that yeah, exactly. because I'm desperate at this point. So, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, it's it's wild because um, you seem so far away, you know, across the country. And Jay and Grant talked about you guys, and we were doing Beyond Reality Radio, and you helped me out a lot with that at mm-hmm. the time. And now here I am living here, which is bizarre. Yeah, and it was. I remember too one of our first ever uh, simulcasts. You know, crossing over with another show, which we're going to be doing later on this summer. Uh, we'll be doing a crossover with uh, Dead Air Radio uh, in July. But we we did one with Beyond Reality yes. where basically, you know, we just turned over our airwaves to Jason and Grant. And it worked out pretty well, uh, surprisingly. Because it's funny. Whenever we bring in, you know, somebody who we really don't want the technology to fail on, it kind of fails. Like, it, <laughs> it always happens. Oh, yeah. that happened. I mean, even with us, with Beyond Reality Radio, it was just inevitable, especially if it, we had some huge, important guests. Like, we had James Randi one night, and that was just, like, the worst broadcast ever. <laughs> Everything went wrong. <laughs> I still remember some of those great episodes of Beyond Reality, which, if people have never heard them, they're still available for download. Yes, yes. But I remember, uh, is it Yvette Fielding? Is that her name from yes. Most Haunted? Oh, that was a goodness. great episode. Yeah, she hung up on us. Yeah. She I was, had enough. I was on my way to, uh, to an event we were doing. Lizzie Borden's 
and I was listening uh, over the radio, and I heard it, and I just I couldn't believe it. I had to pull over, and I think <laughs> I was texting you and Jay at the same time. Like this is the most fascinating radio I've ever heard. Yeah, I don't think she fully realized who she was talking to. It's mm-hmm. kind of, James Randi didn't really either because um, I, I don't know that they always did their research as to what the methodology and, and everything uh, was that Taps uses, and so I, I don't think she had any idea what she was getting into. But it was it was fascinating radio. The other problem is she really doesn't know anything about the paranormal. No, she really doesn't. <laughs> and I think that you probably, you know, being in that uh, booker role and, and finding guests for a radio show, you learn pretty quickly how easy you can expose some people. And then it becomes a question of, you know, if they don't have the chops, do we still want to put them on the air? Because Absolutely. you, you want to have that person uh, to, to bring that voice into the conversation. But if they can't hang... You know, it, right. I, I actually I think I still have some enemies in the paranormal because I wouldn't book them on Beyond Reality, you know, years and years ago. But I took it so seriously because I knew that once someone was on the show, um, their book was going to start selling or they would start appearing at events and doing lectures. And so I took it very seriously as to who I booked at the time. And I made sure to read whatever books they had out there. Um, I would listen to any other broadcasts they'd done. So it was it was fun, though. I missed it, actually. But it was probably very time-consuming. It was, and, and the pay was uh, not so great. <laughs> <laughs> I, there was one, or none, if I remember correctly. I was going to say, I remember, uh, I remember a couple of guys that went and filled in one time. Uh, yeah, yeah. I think you might have had something to do with that. Yeah, we, we, I, think, uh, I think we got maybe a bottle of water out of the producer yeah. over there, which is more than, you know, we got it. Here for years. Well, if I'd been here, you know, you would have at least had a beer or something. That works. Now, when, when and if you ever get the bug again, you want to do a show. We've got Spooky TV. Oh, okay. And you're remember. you're not that far from WBSM, so no. you know. Mm-mm. And not to put you on the spot, but the door is always open for All you right. if you ever want to come in and just you know just co-host, not be the guest, but just kind of yeah, jump in if sure. you see a discussion that you want to get involved in. Feel free. You know, definitely. I mean, I know at this point. I was telling Matt that I had on the drive here, I was like, this is the first time I've been in my car by myself for weeks. <laughs> well, you know, motherhood does that to you. It does. It and does. Uh, it's, it, and that's one of the things I want to talk about during the course of the night tonight because we have Mother's Day coming up tomorrow. So happy Mother's Day to all the moms out there. Mm. And this is your first, it right? Is. Yes, it is. So I want to talk about how being a mom affects how you handle your job as a paranormal investigator because when when you're only responsible for yourself, right. you can run into things with a, a totally different outlook than when you have to worry about somebody else. And, uh, you know, we'll get into all the ideas of, you know, bringing things, bringing your work oh, home right. with you and, yeah. and all that kind of stuff. But uh, for those who are kind of unfamiliar, y- you just kind of burst onto the scene on Ghost Hunters a few years ago, but you've been doing this for a long time. Right. You know, it, it was something that I've been doing since I was a kid. And I know everybody says that, but literally I think my father was trying to trick me into learning history by taking me ghost hunting when I was a kid. <laughs> you know, it works. It does. It does. And I plan on using that same trick with Charlotte, you know, assuming that she's not completely sick of it by that time. But um, I... I started with my dad, and we would go to, like, historical locations and whatnot because our house had paranormal activity when I was little. And and so we started with that. I read all these books, and I was just way into it. I was obsessed, especially with, like, the whole um, history of spiritualism and everything. Uh, And so it was one of those hobbies that just was kind of closeted. I didn't really tell anybody that I did it until 
finally I was on Ghost Hunters and <laughs> everybody found out at that point. But, you know, I had a very serious job before then. I, I was a project manager, you know, had benefits in an office <laughs> and, and I didn't want anybody to know. And then, uh, uh, but it was kind of like my weekend hobby, like every weekend I would sometimes fly myself places. You know, I flew myself to Waverly and things like wow. that just to go explore and investigate. And, uh, it was just not anything I ever thought would become my career, but thank goodness it has. It's been wonderful. What well, was it more of a, a matter of, um, you know, you would have liked to it, for it to have been your career at the time, but you were just waiting for the opportunity? Or was it that you weren't sure you wanted to have your feet in those waters 100% of the time? Well, you know, I always tell people, like, when you are into the paranormal, don't ever plan on getting a paycheck from it. Like, even, I admit that I'm completely a fluke. Like, I'm probably one of maybe a dozen people in this field that actually can make a living off of it. And it's not even forever. You know, it's very fleeting. And it's not, I'm not going to retire on it, you know, but I will always do it. And, um... And so I think that at the time, uh, I, I told Jane Grant no a couple times when they asked me to come out and be on the show. And it was just because it seems so totally irresponsible <laughs> to leave, you know, a normal job uh, to go travel the country and, and look for ghosts. And even though I really wanted to, I just thought it sounded like the coolest thing ever. But, um, you know, I went through a bunch of stuff at the time. I actually, I, I was divorced. And, you know, right after uh, the divorce happened and everything, I... I was, you know, just not, do- I mean, I was fine, but I was still, you know, kind of depressed, obviously. Right. Jay and Grant called me one day, like, on speakerphone, and they were like, listen, we're coming to California, you're going to come out and do some cases with us, and if you like it, you're going to come on the road with us, and that's it. You're not, you're, we're not taking no for an answer. So, after that, I, I went out on, on a couple cases, and uh, I wasn't home for, like, five years after that. <laughs> <laughs> I actually think I just gave up trying to even keep a home at that point, but. Well, it's. It- Sounds like it came together kind of very organically, though. Yes, definitely. And I think a lot of people look at the television show, mm-hmm. and that's different than Taps as the investigative team. Oh, absolutely. And uh, you know, to to people who just watch the television show, it looks like you know they just inserted Amy in season whatever. But in actuality, that has to be kind of an organic chemistry that develops. Oh yeah, and I think that that's one of the things that um, that people love about Ghost Hunters and Taps is that it's very evident that we're all very close. We're good friends. We've known each other for years. Um, you know, we weren't cast and put together. Mm-hmm. And you know, not saying anything against anybody that is, but I just think that we're so organic and people can sense that and they know that and they feel like we're part of their family at this point. So, um, yeah, definitely. I think that's made a huge difference. See, I don't, I don't pretend to know the backstory of all the different TV shows. I stopped watching a lot of them because it's just too much. And, and you know, I get asked to comment on things that happen and, uh, you, you know, it's hard when you know the people and there's things mm-hmm. that you know that you really can't say and things like that. So I just kind of stopped paying attention to them altogether. But there's one show that came out uh, within the last year or so where it's a paranormal team. And I, I couldn't even tell you the name of it. Uh, but they go in and they do these different investigations. I think they did Lizzie Borden's for their first episode. Mm-hmm. And you can just tell by watching them that this is not an organic team that investigates no. together. You can tell it's a bunch of people who were thrown together. And I think that that's kind of cheating the viewer because – not only is it that you know you're seeing people who might not necessarily get along with each other on camera, uh, but you're also cheating them in terms of the evidence. Because I think if you just throw a bunch of random people together and they don't know how to work off of each other, it actually can retard the activity from happening. 
Yeah, I think so. And I, I think that it's kind of like if you go to a party and there's a bunch of people that know each other and they're all talking and they include you in on the conversation. It's easier than if you have, you know, 10 people who've never seen each other in right. their life. It's a much better party. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And um, I feel that way about, you know, entities and, and ghosts is that they're, they're humans, they're people, supposedly. And the more welcoming you are to them you know, the more, the bigger chance that they're going to actually interact with you. So I just treat it like you're walking into a party and you want to make them feel comfortable. <laughs> and uh, if during the course of the show, if you see me checking like a thousand different things, yes. don't, I mean, you know, you've done this job. <laughs> <laughs> There's always things going on. Yeah, I'm sure. And uh, we don't have the chat room functioning on Spooky TV at SpookySouthCoast.com. If you are listening and you want to see what's going on in the studio, we have cameras set up. We do this each week where we have, uh, I think, what do we have, three or four cameras set up. And we switch from shot to shot. So we try to keep it interesting, but it gives you something to look at while you're in the chat room and while you're listening to the show. However, because of the storms that we're having here, we're having some terrible thunderstorms here tonight. Uh, there's some issues with the internet. So we've gotten it to the point where, you know, through the, through the magic of uh, elbow grease from the silent assassin over there, uh, he got it so that we can have the cameras running, but we don't have chat functionality. So we've got some of our good friends that are in there in the chat room. So I just ask uh, Low Battery Dave and some of those other people that are in there, uh, if any good questions come up in the chat room, if you could kind of just send me a message on Facebook, uh, or maybe if you want to tweet the questions to us at, at SpookySC uh, or at Tim Weisberg, we'll try to read them that way as well, because I know that people have questions for our guest, Amy Bruni. You can also call in and talk to Amy, 508-996-0500, or if you want to call in toll-free, 1-877-996-1420. If you didn't write those numbers down, don't worry. Just go to SpookySouthCoast.com, and you'll see them right there on the front page. And one of the things that I, I've always found interesting about uh, investigating for television is that you do have to kind of amp up your reaction sometimes to things. Uh, you know, we, we've done a little filming and, you know, we'll, we'll have a, an honest reaction to something. And it, it becomes almost natural, though, to kind of amp that up a little bit more. And when you're out there doing this all the time, you know, you're filming eight, ten episodes at a time, a lot of it must seem mundane. And it must be hard to kind of have that same reaction that you might have had the first time you caught an EVP. Right. Well, I think the thing is that, you know, I know that Adam and I are, I investigate with Adam a lot now, Adam Barry, and he's fantastic. And we, um, we get along very well. And I think that we're just naturally pretty animated people, especially mm -hmm. when we're together. And so for us, it, it kind of just, it's very natural. And if something cool happens, we're legitimately very excited. <laughs> so <laughs> I, if, if there's anything, I've, I've actually had to tell Adam to like kind of tone it down a really? little bit. <laughs> because he gets very overly excited. Um, and so I, it's it's... It's nice that way. I mean, I would definitely am not that type of person, and I'm just not good at it, mm -hmm. to be, you know, overly excited. You know, if I hear something, I'm not going to, like, go running after it or something. Right. I'm going to stop and listen, which isn't very exciting for TV, but... You know, some other people on our team are much better at that sort of thing than me. <laughs> but you do need to have a, a reaction when you might not normally. For example, like if I'm listening to something uh, and if I hear a noise, I might be like, yeah, there's a noise going on over yeah. there. But, you know, when, when the cameras are rolling, it won't translate unless you actually kind of turn right. and pay attention to it. So you do, there probably is a lot of stuff that you would normally be like, you know, yeah, just I'm, I'm, I want the better evidence. Right. Well, we have to talk through it is the big thing. You know, normally if we would be investigating and we know that like, you know, Grant's going to go use the bathroom upstairs or something and, you know, they let us know, but we hear those footsteps. Um, if you're, we're just investigating without cameras, we would just sit there and just ignore those footsteps. But with right. cameras, we have to be like, 
oh, those are the footsteps. Grant called us on the radio and let us know he was going to be using the bathroom. Like, you have to talk through it, through everything. So you kind of get used to it. It becomes second nature because, you know, we're doing, you know, one or two investigations a week sometimes. And you just learn. <laughs> now, was it uh, was it difficult for you to get used to some of the equipment that you use on the show? Because it, it's probably a little bit of a higher grade than what you were used to using on your yes. own private investigations. Oh, gosh, yes. And Steve is hardcore. Like, Steve, first of all, Steve doesn't trust anyone from California. So, <laughs> so when I joined We the raise team, him right here in Massachusetts. <laughs> yeah, I'm learning that really nobody in Massachusetts trusts anybody from California. Well, he's, he's a New Bedford native, too, so that, yes, that doesn't help. Yes, and so I... Um, I I basically come in this like really smiley like new girl from California and he just does not trust me or like me from the get-go and to top it off like I go from our dinky little DVR that my team had to like this crazy 24 channel DVR system with like a thousand foot cables and and he's just like all right go set that up and I'm like <laughs> there's no way <laughs> and and so Chris is trying to coach me through it and I'll I'll never forget one of my first cases at the Portsmouth Harbor Lighthouse um I had hooked up one of the cameras and I was trying to find power for it and I stupidly plugged the power cord into the camera and then walked away with the cord looking for power and so the camera fell over and Steve was standing right next to it as this camera just comes toppling over. It was just slow motion for me. I just watched it and I just saw him just turn around and just give me the dirtiest, worst look. <laughs> and, and I just ran over and the camera was fine. Thank goodness. Those things are meant to, to take a beating, but um, yeah, it was a little rough in the beginning and now I could probably set up the entire van with my eyes closed if I had to. Well, and, and it must be uh, strange too, because, you know, he's thinking, uh, the way that he kind of grew up in the paranormal of where you take care of all this stuff and everything. And, and he must be thinking in the back of your head, dude, calm down. You know, worst <laughs> comes to worst. We are sci-fi's ratings darlings. You know, if we break a $300 camera, I'm pretty sure we can get another yes, one. Yes, yes. I think the big thing was that, you know, he didn't know me at the time. Like, I was very good friends with Jay and Grant and Chris. And so Jay and Grant brought me in and they just kind of had to, you know, let him know. And that's what's what's great about Steve. You know, once... Once Steve is your friend, like he's your friend for mm -hmm. life, and he's he's one of the greatest people I know. And so, but he's also very intimidating in the beginning. That's why they did GHA that whole spinoff is because right. Steve is he's an amazing teacher, um, but he can be very intimidating. And now he's just to me just this the nicest guy in the and, world. And he seems like if somebody's going to haze you, he's the guy. Uh, yeah, yeah. There's a, a little hazing. That's, that's <laughs> Nothing to be expected, too serious. <laughs> and when you, I mean, see, you're in what I, you're what I call like the second generation of paranormal yes. reality television because you're coming into an already established show yes. and they've already got the format down. So you don't, you kind of just plug yourself in and adapt to their style as opposed to from the beginning trying to figure it out. Right. Was there, when you were, got involved in the show, was there the idea of bringing in fresh perspectives and, and changing things up the way they do things? Or was it more, hey, you know, this is what works and you got to plug yourself into that? It was more, this is what works mm -hmm. because you, what, what you realize is that they've been doing it for years. Like I came in, I think the end of the third season or something. So they'd already been at it for years. They had a system, you know, things that I might think of that, you know, questions that I might have that might seem, you know, obvious, you know, they've already been through it all. And so they know what works. And so you can't question them at that point because you're just going to go through everything they've already gone through. And so you just have to believe and go with the flow and, uh, and so that's what I did. I just went in and, and just did. I mean, Steve was in charge at that point. Steve was really more my boss at that point than Jay and Grant were because mm -hmm. he was the, the tech. He was a tech manager. And so I did everything he told me. And um, 
and you know he was right always like it, he he knew the drill so and when you are getting involved i mean what was the thing that you were the most apprehensive about what was the most uh intimidating aspect of of investigating for television um well i would say just the having to kind of I mean, there's this, like, whole kind of hierarchy on the team, obviously, and just kind of having to learn where you fit into that. And so mm-hmm. I never really cared about what the viewers thought until the show actually started airing. Like, it just didn't even – sometimes I would look at that camera lens and know there are, you know, millions of eyes looking at me through that lens. And that can be kind of intimidating. But I, ha- I learned very early on I just had to forget about the camera. And that, that's probably the most intimidating part. Um, but then also trying to figure out where you fit in with the team. Like that's, that's where you, the first and foremost, you care about where you fit in mm-hmm. with the team. So that was probably the, the hardest part in the beginning. Because that's, I mean, that's what's got to translate to the viewers. If yes. it, 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 you could be the best investigator in the world, mm-hmm. but if you, you know, how, how can I put this without, it, you know, if you uh, don't get along with one of their favorites, right. then you're automatically going to be labeled as something, uh, whether or not it's true or not. I mean, you could you could be best friends in the world with, say, Steve, for example. Mm-hmm. But if you have one little tiff with him that gets captured on camera, then all of a sudden you have all the Steve fans that are against you. Right. right. And that, it, I mean, how is how does that work for somebody like yourself who's been investigating the paranormal for a long time and then all of a sudden you go from someone who's doing research and collecting data to now somebody who has fans? I mean, that must be a, a big difference in your life. It's different. And, and I think the the weird thing is that Well, the nice thing about ghost hunters is they really don't focus on our personal life at all. And Mm -hmm. so people have no idea really anything about us beyond what we do in the paranormal. So it's like a double-edged sword. People think that, A, that's all we do with our lives. (laughs) And, And, B, they don't realize that, like, we have this whole other, you know, life, you know, that goes on. You know, like when I had, when I became pregnant with Charlotte, like, Everyone just assumed the only men in my life were the ones I was on screen with. So it's like, <laughs> so, hmm, was it Jason who, or Grant? Who's the dad? Yes. I'm like, well, it's my boyfriend who none of you know. See, that, that was a mistake. <laughs> so, you should have just kept that as a cliffhanger. Yes, I know. You know, like, uh, <laughs> tune in next next season when Amy reveals the baby daddy. Right, exactly. And that's kind of – and people still ask me. And, and they ask me, like – I would. I just. It seems so odd to me. Like I would not ever walk up to someone on the street and be like, "Who's your baby's father?" <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean. And so, um, and I, I just ask them. You know, they'll ask for his name and everything. And I'm like, "Do you do you think you know him?" Like, so it's just. It's very odd. That's that's definitely been it, until that. I really didn't find it that strange. Um, the only other thing that's ever been hard about it is just having to kind of justify how you do everything on the show, you know, mm-hmm. because they don't get to see the whole investigation. And so constantly people are kind of harping on how you did something and you want to say, oh, you didn't see the other three hours of what I did, you know. Or the other three days. In exactly, some exactly. And then the other problem is you have, uh, you know, armchair <laughs> people like yes. us and, and other people who think that they're in the know who start speculating about what goes on. And, and there, there's a lot of misinformation out there about yes. what goes on in, in the production of these shows. And uh, we, we can get into some of that. I know, of course, a lot of the stuff that people, if you want to call up and ask questions, mm-hmm. there are some things that you can't reveal. Right. Uh, especially, you know, you can't tell anybody where you're going next for an investigation no, and things like no. that. But uh, And obviously, if people want to call up and suggest mm-hmm. locations, you know, it's probably better suggested in an email than, than telling you, I would think. Right, right. I mean, um, 
I don't know. It's just one of those things where, well, we do get something like a thousand case requests a week via email. And so there's all these like other uh, factors when it comes to choosing a place to investigate besides whether we want to go there because we would be going to Hawaii every week. <laughs> but, <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, Or five it, minutes from home. That would be nice. There's been a couple of cases where I've been able to just go home and sleep in my own bed, which is pretty amazing. Speaking of which... We do have to get on you about one thing. Oh, gosh. We still cannot understand why, in all the years since the first time they went there, and all the activity that's been reported since, why there's never been a return trip to Lizzie Borden's. I don't know. That's I, that's. I have place. no idea. And you know what? Please do not like hate me for this, because I, I live very near there. Not like in Fall River, per se, but close enough. I still have not been there. Like I've never been oh, to Lizzie we'll Borden's. We'll take you. <laughs> We'll fix that. We'll take it. <laughs> just, I need to go. Yeah, just call us any night you're free. That's mm. that's and uh one place you gotta check out is, is Fort Tabor. Yeah. To uh and we have an event coming up. I'll just throw in a little plug right here. If you want to investigate with the spooky crew at either Lizzie Borden's or Fort Tabor, if you go to legendtrips.com, we have tickets available for both. The Fort Tabor event went on sale this week and it's already about a quarter sold out. So uh you want to make sure you get those tickets as quick as you can. And remember, a portion of all the proceeds go to help restore these locations so uh fort Tabor, they've got a lot of work if they want to rebuild the roof at fort rodman uh it'd be nice if we could <laughs> pay for that so we'll see if we can do that all right well why don't we take some phone calls here and then uh, we will have to take a break because we actually have commercials tonight matt costa can you believe that okay so we'll do that and uh but we'll take a few calls now and then of course the phone lines will be open throughout the show 508-996-0500 one 1420 Good evening. You are on Spooky South Coast with Amy Bruni. How are you? I'm great. How are you? Uh, we are spooktacular. Do you have a question for Amy? Yeah, I was just wondering, have they ever been to Deadwood yet? Or are they ever planning on going? Or she knows? Um, you know, I don't know if we have. I mean, if they did, it was before I was on the show. But I don't think we have been there. Um it would be great. I mean, the, the biggest thing for us is in order for us to investigate a location, it has to be fairly close to an airport just to get our people in and out, you know, crew and, and cast who don't always drive everywhere. Um, and it has to be able to uh, accommodate uh, two or three investigative teams going at once. So we try to do larger locations, unless it's a residence. And then residences kind of get precedent, precedence. But... So, yeah, all that being said, I would love to go to Deadwood. So it's on the list. Yeah, De- Deadwood is awesome, and it is spooky. <laughs> Ke- Very check good things. With, check with Kevin Costner about his place. Oh, I will. I'll give Kevin a call. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, just do that. Uh, all right, thank you so much for the call. You, you betcha. Bye. Bye-bye. Thank you. And and that's uh that is one of the criticisms that you hear about not just ghost hunters but some of these other paranormal shows is that it seems like uh y- you know it's more about finding locations where you can go and investigate and then 6 months later hold an event at. Right. Yeah. And I think that it's just more of a matter of you do the locations, the fans see it and they're like, "Well, I want to get in there too," and you can kind of be the conduit for that. Right, exactly. And and for us, you know, sometimes we'll go to a location and after the investigation is done and we've had like crazy activity kind of the first thing we think of is how can we get back here mm-hmm. and sometimes an event is like the perfect excuse right. <laughs> that works yes. that's that's how we get into all the places we get into now exactly you think they'd let us into fort Tabor otherwise or they're like oh you're crazy guys get out of here all right let's go to the phones good evening you are on spooky south coast with amy bruni how are you hello hi you're on with amy 
Hi, Amy. Hi. First of all, I just want to say Happy Mother's Day from oh. one mom to another. Thank you. Uh, second of all, I just want to tell you, my family and I, we are big fans of the shows. I mean, every every time that you guys are on, we're always sitting in front of the TV watching it. We just love you guys so much. Oh, thanks. Thank you. Yes. We, we've even been now that we've gone is we have a son that's 18 years old, and he's even now decided that we even go and we do, like, ghost hunts in Gettysburg, and when we go to Williamsburg, we do things there and stuff like that. So you've really inspired us to you do our own kind of ghost hunting and stuff like that. So. I love that. See, it's a family affair. It really is. Yes. yes. Yeah. <laughs> and, and, we, and we love you and Adam together. You two make a, a wonderful couple. We, we just think you're just so awesome. Your chemistry together on TV, <laughs> it, it's just phenomenal. Thank you. We're actually, we're very good friends, and I think that that shows. So. Oh, yes. Well, yes. good. It, Thank you. You can see it and stuff like that. But, yeah, like I said, I, I saw it on your Facebook page because you actually, I have you on my Facebook page and stuff, and. <laughs> I saw that you were going to be on, and I said to my husband, I said, I'm just going to try and see if I can get through. So I, I'm glad I was able to call in and talk to you. Well, thank you so much. And I guarantee you, you can get through pretty much every Saturday night if you want to call back again. So. <laughs> hey, that's fine. I may be watching every Saturday night from now on. This, this, this was oh, nice. Oh, thank you. So thank you so thank much. Thank you so much. Have a great night, and happy Mother's Day. You too. Thank you. Bye-bye. I love that. Bye. All right, we are going to take a break for a commercial, but when we come back, if you want to call in and ask Amy some questions, 508-996-0500, 1-877-996-1420. I know I have a whole bunch more questions. And, of course, if you want to jump in the chat room on Spooky TV, it's SpookySouthCoast.com. You know, the storm's preventing us from seeing it tonight, but some of our friends in there can send us any good questions that pop up. You can also email us, SpookyCrew at SpookySouthCoast.com, or send them to me on Twitter as well at... Uh, at SpookySC or at Tim Weisberg. Either one will work. So uh, we are going to take a break. When we come back, we'll have more with our guest, Amy Rooney, here on Spooky South Coast. Hey man, you up? No. Wake up, I need to talk to you. I think your house is haunted. Hey, come on, it's 2.30 in the morning. I can't sleep in here, man. I'm scared. All right, welcome back to Spooky South Coast. Tim Weisberg here, along with Matt. Matt Moniz, <laughs> who apparently didn't hear me when I said coming back. Uh, before we jump right back into the discussion uh, with our guest tonight, Amy Bruni, who's here with us in the Spooky Studio. Uh, and, of course, you can call in 508-996-0500-1877-996-1420. Moniz, i got to ask you a question, uh, a UFO-related question here, because I didn't get we a chance to talk to you last week. activity going off like crazy in this neighborhood. And I remember you posted something on Facebook, and you even included the MUFON case number. Yes. You have to be a MUFON member to actually look it up, though. Well, <laughs> so join. That's what everybody can do. They can join. Yes, they, they can. Look it up. So what was actually going on? Uh, there was a number of sightings. What happened in Wareham was two nights in a row. I got to see the tail end of night two. My neighbor was outside uh, with one of his friends, and they were watching these basically balls of light interacting with each other over our house. And he finally, you know, remembered, hey, I should get Matt out here to look at this. <laughs> He's into this stuff. So uh, I come outside to see uh, a couple of these lights, you know, 
crisscrossing each other and then just stopping, turning around and taking off in opposite directions and at speeds that of incredible nature. Let's just Have you been way. paying attention to the news this past week? Yeah, there's been stuff going on all week, past couple of weeks. Actually. Uh, Quincy, yeah. uh, Brockton, Hingham, there's been sightings. Well, a lot of the stuff in Quincy is actually a military drone. But uh, Well, the FAA came out and said that it is not drone activity. I don't know how they much know they can They what it is. They said they it is not state reveal. police. They said it is not local police. Well, that leaves you the military and the military. They're not going to But they, they said that it's not a military drone, too. So, I mean, I don't know how much of that is disinformation uh, and, and that they're... Getting back to the other st- sightings <laughs> around here. Yes, there has been a lot of activity that's been going on. I, I've been having people contact me for the past two or three weeks with a lot of stuff. I almost wonder, and, uh, you know, I don't, I don't want to speculate too much here and, and get way off base, but I almost wonder if what has happened in this area recently... And the change in mood and and perception here and the spirit of coming together that's happened as a result of the tragedy that happened in Boston, if maybe that isn't uh, kind of a beacon for something to come down here and visit. I mean, I know why Wareham's a beacon because they're looking for you. Yeah, well, I'm going to leave that right where it is. Or it could be that people are paying more attention because the weather's getting nicer and Mm -hmm. looking up. They're outside like what happened with my neighbor. It was a nice night out. Him and his friends stepped out onto the porch that they have out there and were talking and happened to glance up because it was a clear night, saw what they saw, and the rest is history, as they say. And uh, and Amy, when you were booking Beyond Reality, that was always uh, something that surprised me is when you would have on a UFO-related guest, yes. how, how knowledgeable Jason and Grant were about the UFO field. It, yes. It's definitely something that they were into. Oh, yeah, for sure. And it was we had some really great UFO guests. We had Bill Burns on once, and he's been... I mean, he actually came to Mount Washington, one yep. of our events. He went up and talked about football for two hours instead of UFOs, but <laughs> still, he was there. <laughs> so, but yeah, no, they. I know Jay especially is really into UFOs, and Tango is huge into UFOs. Probably almost more than ghosts, a little bit. More, more than Billy Ray Cyrus? Yeah. I know. I know what you're getting at. I'm, I want to know why that show never happened. You've, you've got inside information I on sci-fi. No, this is what happens. I literally read about it at the same time as, as everybody else. <laughs> I start getting all these tweets that are like, hey, Amy, are you going to work with Billy Ray or Jack Osborne? And I'm like, what are, you, what, are, what are you talking about? And then I see that sci-fi greenlit some show with them. Well, I mean, <laughs> so. come on. Jason's got to be a producer on Meatloaf show that's coming out, right? Oh, my goodness. Can you believe that? I well, believe I, that. I can believe it, I mean, actually. clearly he should have a paranormal show because he... <laughs> Out of any person we've ever had as a guest on our show, Meatloaf is the one who's, like, way into it. Like, way. He asked me to sign his K2 meter, which is crazy to me. But, um, so, yeah, I mean, he he definitely, he's legit. Like, he's really into the paranormal. But, but I mean, I guess, too, that shows that he is into it when he shows up with his own K2 meter, right? Well, yes. And, you know, when he tried to contact us to, to come out and investigate with us, he has, like, three different agents. And every single one of them, he was like, I want to be on that Ghost Hunter show. And they were like, yeah, sure, okay. None of them asked us. So Meatloaf <laughs> gets online and emails the TAPS website himself. <laughs> really? <laughs> yes, and that's how he ended up on our show. So who has the job of vetting out that email and making sure it's the real Meatloaf? Jay did. Jay, we, somebody sent it to Jay, and he was like, well, I guess we'll see. And he called them, and it was Meatloaf. It nice. It was really Meatloaf. <laughs> so, you know, take a chance. If somebody says they're Meatloaf, you're going to 
now I'm going to get a million emails from people like claiming to be different famous people. But <laughs> well, and I can tell you that uh, you know there's there's been some different you know personalities who have come through the show over the years, and uh, one of my favorite is uh, you know I'm I'm big into wrestling, and mm-hmm. that's how I got kind of got started in the newspaper business and everything. And uh, I'd always heard stories about Vicky Guerrero and what a sweetheart she is, and how different that is from her on-screen character but you know i never really believed it until i heard from you what a great person she is oh she's fantastic i think i've said fantastic like 20 times tonight that's fine um no she is she's great and i didn't know who she was because i'm i'm not a huge wrestling fan um but she came to an investigation that i did in el paso and she brought her daughter um and she was asking me some pretty personal questions you know about her husband and I, i had no idea who she was and um and we investigated, and they, they did a great job, and they were really into it. And um, then afterwards, you know, we took pictures together, and we, you know, connected on Twitter and everything. And she's just a doll, like a very loving, lovely woman. And um, also, The Miz is totally different than you would think. Like, Mike is a very different person. <laughs> and, I mean, some of that, of course, is... is- kind of thrust on you guys because it is sci-fi and they want to have the cross promotion i still can't for the life of me figure out why they figured sci-fi was a good place for the home for wrestling right but whatever i mean it works they that's get, like they get tossing spongebob on c-span that's not as much of a stretch <laughs> have you seen some of those cartoon characters that are on there yeah pelosi does look a little oh. plastic a lot of them make uh, Mr. Krabs look like a, a nice guy. But you, you'll learn about all this as Charlotte gets older. Trust me. Oh, you'll yeah. know all these kids' no, shows. I, I hear about that from Tango. <laughs> <laughs> so, but, you know, to have, you know, these people uh, kind of thrust on you by the network, uh, which I'm assuming is how it works. It's like we need a little bit of cross-promotion. I don't think Jason and Grant are like, you know what? I really think that CM Punk would make a great uh, investigator. Right. But when you do it, you go into it with some expectations. And instead, I'm sure what ends up happening is you might be changing their mind or, or pushing them into exploring this topic more than they might have in the past. Right. And I, I don't think, I think the one that we were the most wary of when we heard it, and they knew we would be, they literally didn't tell us until we were on our way to the case that the Real Housewives of Atlanta were going to be investigating with us. And we were like, what? Are you <laughs> kidding me? And I was very pleasantly surprised by them. I will say that. But um, we were all just freaking out. And, of course, just as our viewers were, like, I never received so much hate mail. (laughs) um, But, honestly, they they were in – I mean, they – when they got there, it was to them. It was just kind of like a some sort of cross promotion. They didn't seem like they were really that into it. Mm-hmm. But by the end of it, they totally were. Like they realized we were serious, and and they were asking all kinds of questions. And um, so I have to say that of all the guests, you know, every single one, I've always been pleasantly surprised. You know, because we're able to t- change their mind almost every time. Of any type of celebrity, who would you really like to investigate with? Oh, jeez. Don't say Channing Tatum. <laughs> Channing he said Tatum. investigate with. <laughs> um, gosh, I don't know. I, I really don't know. I'm sorry. I, like, I, I'm trying to think of like a celebrity who seems into it who would be fun to investigate. Maybe David Lynch. I feel like David Lynch would be really interesting on an investigation. So no, no Miley Cyrus or, or Lady Gaga? They're both into it. Oh, no, probably not. Good I mean, call. Lady Gaga did buy a bunch of equipment, though. Like, she was going to investigate, but... I'm sure she didn't. I'm sure it was just a passing fancy. You think? 
But uh, well, one of the interesting things though, as a as a viewer, is you get to see uh, how the Taps team reacts to bringing in an outside person. I mean, in this case, it happens to be a celebrity, but it could be anybody. Mm-hmm. Uh, I know in the early seasons, there was a lot more of uh, you know guest investigators or people who had investigated a location previously. I mean, that's how Tango kind of got involved yes. with things too. But now that doesn't happen so much. Uh, but it must be good for you guys to have a fresh perspective on things, to have a new voice. And at the same time, when you're dealing with somebody like you know the Real Housewives or a WWE wrestler, you kind of get to let your hair down a little bit and have a little bit of fun with what you're doing. Right. And, and it's always nice to, you know, because people, they ask about things that you don't even think about anymore, you know. And mm-hmm. so you're kind of getting into the equipment and, you know, it's not just, you know, you're not just repeating yourself over and over again about what an EVP is. <laughs> you know, you're, you're actually kind of getting to, to teach someone something new. And so that, that is kind of nice. And when you are teaching somebody kind of on the spot as it's happening, I think it's a lot more effective than if you kind of get, I'm sure you have to give them a little bit of a crash course before the cameras start rolling, but there's nothing like seeing that practical application uh, of somebody from the first time. And like you said, it's something that you just take for granted after so long. Right. And I think what's always crazy to people when they come and investigate with us is they really think that we have like production assistants or something that set up all the equipment. <laughs> and they're like, wait, really, we're really going to unroll all this cable? And we're like, yeah, that's, that's what we do. And they're shocked to see that, you know, we are there until sunup and we are taking down, you know, the cameras roll on us setting up and taking down for maybe, you know, 10 or 15 minutes, but it's really, you know, a couple hour process. And so we're there for quite a while and, and we do it all ourselves and people are usually pretty surprised to see that. Well, I mean, it's it's kind of common sense if people think about it. You're investigating these giant locations. Yes. And I'm pretty sure, Moniz, I've never been to Waverly Hills, but you both have. Oh, I, I'm pretty huge. sure that it's going to take more than a few minutes to, to run all that cable. <laughs> oh. Waverly. <laughs> I love that place. It is. It's great. It's great. But it is a nightmare for setup. It really – and because and there's, you know, power issues and things. That's the other thing is we're always running into some sort of problem, especially those older buildings where there's no power. And now, mm-hmm. luckily, we have external power for all the cameras, which has changed everything. And it, it's definitely uh, – it's nice when you can go into the location and bring your own – power and bring your own lights and all that kind of stuff so that's why i think you know investigating for tv definitely helps in some of these places you probably wouldn't want to go to some of these places if you weren't making a production out of it because it'd just be too much of a challenge (laughs) have you ever had activity happen to your equipment your your power equipment that you're bringing into these places Definitely. I mean, we've had we've had activity happen to you know our equipment has definitely been manipulated before, and then um, you know sometimes it will happen while we're setting up or while we're taking down when the cameras aren't rolling. Something production equipment yeah. like um, your your camera guys. Oh having yeah, st- we've had stuff. There was actually an episode recently where something happened with one of our oh, our director of photography. Something happened to one of his cameras while he was filming Jay and Steve. So it definitely happens. I mean it. It's tough for us because people always ask, you know, why don't they look towards what you're seeing or, you know, why don't you guys review all those tapes? And you, we can't. Like, there's just, just literally not enough time. Like, you know, you, you think. And it also seems, I mean, at least to me as a viewer and, and from the discussions I've had with yourself and others about this, it seems like that's not what they're there for. No, they're not. They're there to document you and the investigation so if they did that they would be instead of being objective they would become subjective and then therefore you know you would kind of lose the whole tone of the show exactly and they are there to capture our reactions Mm -hmm. you know and that's what makes the show so they film us and it's our job as investigators to film the ghosts and as 
you guys know that's not very easy. <laughs> <laughs> so we do our best. But, um, you know, so their job is to film us and, and get the story. And, you know, our job is to just do our job and be investigators. So um, if they turned away towards whatever we saw every single time, you would never see that reaction. That's mm-hmm. like, and that's gold to the network. You know, they want to see us react. They want to hear all the beeps when I swear like a sailor. You know, that's important. <laughs> I, I just picture in my mind, you know, Craig or whoever pitched the show at the beginning, you know, going into these network meetings and saying, look, you know, we all know that ghosts aren't real, but we've got these people who go out there and look for them and we want to make a show about them. He didn't go in and pitch a show to sci-fi about we're going to make a show that proves the existence of the paranormal. Right. And, you know, the thing is, we can't with the, you know, with what equipment we use for the show, you know, it doesn't matter how many times we show people a video of an apparition or let them listen to an EVP that, you know, says, hi, I'm a ghost. Like, it's never enough. It's not scientific evidence that's going Mm -hmm. to prove the existence of the paranormal. But it's something it's you know it's it's not something that we can replicate over and over again and but it's different and you're wrong it is something you replicate over and over again that's as a scientist I, this is what i'm looking at yes, i think yes. we all need to stop and wait and and, and recognize this moment for a minute because i think we just had a paradigm shift in the entire paranormal <laughs> world we just had an investigator from taps tell us that it's not scientific investigation <laughs> So everybody out there who said it's not scientific unless you do it the way TAPS does it, there you go. I mean, I think that's the misconception people have is that you're going into this as – I mean, obviously you want to be as uh, analytical and procedural as as possible. But you don't go into this assuming that you're going to be writing a lab report out of these investigations. It's going to be accepted and all of a sudden academia is going to say, okay, ghosts are real because of what they did. Exactly. And the thing to remember is that, you know, we can never be in a completely controlled environment no matter how much we try. Um, And the best thing that we can do is we do what what we refer to as kind of a preliminary investigation. We're in these places for one night and it's really just, it's, it doesn't always do justice to the case itself for us to be there for such a short amount of time, you know. And so it's nice when something becomes kind of a case study after that, which is really the ideal way to investigate is to go in over and over and over again and record everything as far as, you know, what the environmental, you know, um, what the environmental uh, anomalies are at the same time, you know, things like that. So it's just for us, um, we go in, we do our preliminary investigation, and then our hope is that maybe a TAPS family team or another local team will come in after, especially if we find something different or anomalous, and that they'll come in and try to you know, investigate further. So what you're saying then is that TAPS and a ghost hunter's investigation <laughs> does not have to be the be-all and end-all oh, of the paranormal in that location. And I try to tell people that all the time. But they're not listening. No, <laughs> That's the problem. No, and they, they don't listen. And I think that what's important, especially for us, too, is that we do realize, you people always ask us, why don't you use this equipment? Why don't you use that equipment? There is a certain... Um, or there's a certain kind of, you know, we, something we have to take into account when we're on the show is that we know once we use something and it's on screen, it's going to run rampant through mm-hmm. the paranormal field. And it's very flattering, but at the same time, it makes us really think hard before we show us using a piece of equipment on television. And also, there's probably things that are out of your control that have mm-hmm. to do with the network and, and who their advertisers are and things like that, where, you know, you might not be able to use a particular piece of equipment because the network... 
you, you know, is saying, well, you know, we don't want to put that name on camera. Well, I mean, that's never been an issue. Never I mean, had a problem? No. The, the worst, I mean, the only thing, not the worst, but the only thing that happens is sometimes we'll you know, try a new piece of equipment and whoever makes it will have like their brand name and huge letters across the top of it. And, you know, we'll have to tape that out. Right. Or they'll blur it out or something like that. Yeah, we just can't. And so um, that's that's the worst case scenario. But we can try whatever we'd like. We can use whatever we'd like. But, you know, there are just some very controversial pieces of equipment that we don't, you know, like the spirit box, for example. It's just Mm -hmm. not quantifiable enough for us to present that to a client as evidence you know it's interesting and compelling and we've used them off camera but it's just not something that we would show on tv right now there's about forty thousand paranormal investigators (laughs) listening to the show pulling their hair out and saying but then what about the k2 (laughs) well the k2 is another thing that's it's very hard to control because um you know as you know any out your cell phone can you know affect a k2 meter Mm -hmm. and so um, and, and flashlights. We use flashlights on the show, and I get so much crap for using flashlights. But the fact is, I don't use just one flashlight. I use sometimes six or seven flashlights, and you know, try to to be you know, ask control questions, and um, and these sessions go on and on and on. And so people, I think they uh, they don't see all of that on the show. And so the K two meters as well. You know, these are things that I have terrible luck with the K two. I, I I don't even try to use them anymore, but. They are good for detecting, you know, where there's electrical current or right. <laughs> EMF levels. So I do use them for that. But as far as a communication device, I've never been lucky. With and it, it does give you a visual representation of what's going on. Even right. if you are just, you know, debunking what's going on electrically, at exactly. least it gives you a visual for that. And uh, so we are just about out of time for the first hour. So I know there are some callers on the line. If you can hang on, we'll take your questions coming up in the second hour. Uh, anybody that has a question, we will get you on tonight. I just don't want to start having them ask questions and have to cut them off because we're up against the clock. So 508-996-0500, 1-877-996-1420. Those are the numbers. Email us, SpookyCrew at SpookySouthCoast.com. Get us on Twitter at SpookySC. Those are the ways to get a hold of us if you want to ask some questions of our guest tonight, Amy Bruni. And uh, I, w- I do want to get into some, some of these deeper issues coming up in the next hour, uh, especially a lot of the questions that I know the audience has uh, about the show. Uh, but there, there is a line. I mean, is, is something that I'm sure that you had to kind of reconcile within yourself. There's a line between when you are investigating and when you are. Um, I don't want to say performing necessarily, but when you are uh, not as concerned with uh, everything being as visual as it could be. You know what I mean? Like when you're having great activity take place, you know, you're probably thinking to yourself, screw the cameras. I don't care if you guys are getting this. And, you know, the instinct, I would assume, is always the paranormal investigator that takes over more so than the television personality. Yeah, 100%. And I think that sometimes that even gets us into a little bit of trouble, you know, because we'll hear something and or or see something crazy and we'll go running after it. But, you know, you have to remember there's a camera operator (laughs) who's trying to capture this moment. But, you know, in our mind, we're like, well, if you don't get it, you don't get it. You know, we've got to do our job. And so right. there have been, you know, little skirmishes here and there where we've gone running off and they didn't get they didn't get it or something happened because we ran off <laughs> and they didn't get it on camera. So, you know, the investigator always takes over for sure. 
All right. Well, we'll have more discussion with Amy Bruni coming up in the next hour uh, during the break. If you want to check out those uh, events that I mentioned, legendtrips.com is the website. Get your tickets now to join us at both Lizzie Borden's on August 24th and Fort Tabor, Fort Rodman on June 22nd. Uh, tickets are available, but they're not going to be available for long. So check those out. We'll be right back with more here on Spooky South Coast. <laughs> supernatural is something that isn't supposed to happen, does it? AM 1420 WBSN presents Spooky South Ghost with your hosts Tim Weisberg and Matt Costa. Welcome back. Our number two of Spooky South Coast, Tim Weisberg here, along with the silent assassin Matt Costa, science advisor Matt Moniz, and our in-studio guest Amy Bruni of Ghost Hunters. And uh, we are so glad that you could join us here in the studio because, you know, there's no place better to be on a Saturday night than with us three. <laughs> I'm sure you could have come up with a thousand better things, but thank you for joining us. Not really. <laughs> I'm having a great time. <laughs> well, uh, and, and of course, uh, as we mentioned, you can call in at any point with any questions, 508-996-0500, 1-877-996-1420. I just want to mention real quick, so I don't forget before the end of this hour, that uh, we'll be back next week at the same time slot here, 10 p.m. to midnight, and I believe our guest is going to be Buck Rogers himself, Gil Gerard, here mm. in the studio. We'll be talking about the South Coast Toy and Comic Show coming up on May 19th at the Seaport Inn and Marina. And uh, I believe it's going to be Gil Gerard coming in. Uh, but Steve Perry will be here and he'll be bringing some of the special guest stars that are going to be at the show. Cindy Morgan from Tron and Caddyshack will be there. Uh, Shane Douglas, franchise Shane Douglas. Uh, he might, he could be here next Saturday night. How awesome would that be? Will Cousin Willie come down if that's the case? I, I think he definitely will come down. I, I can see that happening. Of course, other guests uh, at the South Coast Touring Comic Show will include our friends Tom D'Agostino and his wife Arlene yep. and, uh, and Brian Hanwa, who's been on the show a few times and, of course, formerly of Ghost Hunters and Ghost Hunters International and pretty much <laughs> formerly of lots of other things. So, uh, But we will have some of those special guest stars here with us next Saturday night, so tune in for that. And, uh, of course, if you miss any episode and if you're new to the show, uh, a lot of uh, Amy's Followers on Twitter and Facebook are probably checking us out for the first time. We've been doing this now for over seven years. So there's tons of free archives, including Amy's other previous appearances with us. And uh, we've got all these shows available on iTunes, free of charge, on our website, SpookySouthCoast.com. And over the last few years, we've also been doing Spooky TV, which is the video component of our show. But also, it's a network unto itself. And we have shows such as Spirit Connections on Tuesday nights at 7 p.m. And uh, and Cody Ray Despian's show is going to be coming back, Supernatural Reality. Uh, get well soon, Cody. He's still in the hospital recovering from cancer treatment. But he's going to kick cancer's ass. And when he's done, he's going to come back to the Spooky South Coast uh, airwaves. And uh, and Matt, I know that we've got a, a new debut coming up soon, too. Yep. Um, our, our friend Brad on uh, Facebook has a, a web series called Haunted New York that's uh, going to be premiering. I th- I believe it's next week, but uh, he has a few episodes in um, ready to be broadcast. They're a little uh, short, like fifteen minute episodes, but mm-hmm. they're uh, premiering. I think next week. They're really well done. I've, oh, yeah, I've seen yeah, some of definitely. them. They definitely high high production values, and I was very surprised. Right, Brad Roussel and uh, Haunted New York Productions. If you want to check him out online, and of course uh, he'll be on Spooky 
TV as part of that. So just uh, make sure that uh, the week before it is finally going to air that we at least get Brad on for a few minutes to discuss that. And, right, definitely. and we were talking this week about something huge that if it happens, it's going to be awesome. We might be having a huge event oh, yeah, on Spooky yeah. TV. It's gonna be, hopefully it's going to be a, a big deal. It definitely will yeah. be. We can't say too I'm, much I'm now. I'm excited about it. But I'm I'm very excited. I went home just you probably telling my voice how excited I am. <laughs> I know he never sounds the excited. fact that you're actually speaking. My, yes. my eyebrow <laughs> is raised. But <right> <laughs> yeah. well, this is going to be huge for anybody <laughs> that is interested in the paranormal in this area. Uh, it's going to be an amazing event. And the Starborn Twins have started a radio show, and they're they've expected expressed interest on coming on uh, Spooky TV. Hey, it's there. And anybody out there in the paranormal that wants to get involved with Spooky TV, we've got you know 24 hours a day, 7 days a week to fill. You just can't have this 2 hours on Saturday night. But any other time, you know, we can work around it because we we're running two channels, right? Um or we will be or we could we're, be. We're, we're not sure about how many channels we're running, but uh right now it's just one. But with the possibility of maybe two or three. So um, there you go. live streams, so so if you have an idea for a show, if you already have a show that you're producing and you want to jump on Spooky TV, it can be audio or video. It doesn't have to be both. Yep. And uh, and we can make it happen for you. And, and come join Spooky TV because that's the place that discerning paranormal fans go to for their online paranormal entertainment. That sounds almost like I wrote that out ahead of time. <laughs> All right. Well, let's get back into the discussion with our guest, Amy Bruni. If you want to call in, 508-996-0500, 996 Good evening. You're on Spooky South Coast with Amy. How are you? Hey, I'm great. Hey, uh, I, I have a question. Um, well, for Amy, uh, my brother committed suicide December 9th of 1996. Sorry to hear that. Yeah. Um, yeah. He was, he was sad. Uh, his birthday was May 9th. That's and uh, I, I just, I just wonder. I'm seven hours, no, excuse me, eight hours away from where this all happened. Right. And sometimes I, I just, I feel like he's here. It's just weird things I'm hearing, strange things, strange things that you know go on that were he was a prankster. Right. Right. You know? Well, I mean, is it bothering you that he might be there, or is that kind of giving you some comfort? No, it, it doesn't bother me at all. I kind of laugh mm-hmm. about it, but I just, you know, I, I just, I wonder if it could be him. I think absolutely it could be him. I mean, I this is how I feel about it, and this is just my personal opinion, but... Um, you know, sometimes when you're in a room with someone and, and you're around them a lot, like you just kind of start to know the feeling of that person. Like you just, you know, you know their energy, if if that makes sense. And, you know, I could probably say that for like my mother or, you know, my daughter at this point. You know, when you're around someone that much, you just kind of know when they're in the room, even if you don't necessarily see them uh, walk into the room. And I feel like that energy could definitely still be around when somebody passes away. And um, I know there have been times, especially since I have had my daughter, like I feel like maybe some people have visited me. Like I feel like my grandfather has definitely visited and I could just feel him. Like it just felt like him and I didn't have any signs or anything or anything like that. I just, 
it just felt like he was in the room with me. And so I, I, I definitely think there's something to that. And if there isn't, then I don't really want to know, you know what I mean? Cause I do kind of like that. I like that possibility. And I think that that's enough, you know, to, to entertain that notion. And, and I think, you know, you could even talk to him and, and whatnot and see if that makes things happen more often or, you know, um, I'm definitely not shy when it comes to talking to things I think might be there. <laughs> so, um, and it definitely doesn't make you crazy by any means. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, I've, I've done the talking thing just because I was alone and, you know, nobody would need to commit me or anything like that. And, <laughs> and it, it certainly does think that, it, I, I certainly do think that it precipitates, you know, a little bit well, yeah. when I do communicate yeah, and I think, you know, another thing I recommend to people is to, to try an EVP session because you never know. I've had people do that, and, I mean, obviously don't, you know, count on this by any means, but I've had people do that, and they'll actually hear a voice they recognize. You know, they'll actually mm-hmm. hear that person, and it can be a very powerful experience. And, um, you know, I, I you can you don't even have to get a fancy recorder. A lot of phones you can use to record at this point, and, and so it, it can't hurt to try, and if it works, great. If not, you know, you tried. Yeah. Well, thank you so much. Yeah, well, thank of course. You for the call. All right. Have a good Bye. night. And if anybody else wants to call in, 508-996-0500, 1-877-996-1420. Here's a question that comes via Facebook. Uh, this comes from our friend Bill. He wanted to know how your, and, and maybe the TAP team as a whole, how your investigation techniques differ from the Ghost Adventures guys and what different equipment you might use than they do. Um, you know, I think, oh, well, his is the sad thing is that I, I've probably, I haven't watched much Ghost Adventures. I mean, I've met them. They're all very but nice you, guys. You saw our episode, right? The one with me and Moniz. <laughs> <laughs> well, somebody's going to be on <laughs> iTunes later. <laughs> Um, I watch your TV show. I am sorry. I didn't even. I didn't know you guys were on <laughs> Ghost Adventures. Sorry. <laughs> but, sorry. Neither does anybody else, really. <laughs> but um, I have met them and hung out with them. And they were nice guys, and you know, um, I definitely think they're way more into kind of the provoking side of things. Mm-hmm. Where we're definitely more like ghost therapists. You know, we come in and we try to talk and soothe, and you know, they're definitely a lot more in your face. So, but I, I think a lot of the equipment is the same. Um, there are a few things I know they use that we don't because people asked us about them and I'm sure vice versa. And so, um, I know like the, probably the ghost box is one of those things mm-hmm. I think they use. So I think that's probably just the main difference. Um, I mean, as a viewer, the difference that I see is that, um, while you guys do try to use some different and cutting edge equipment, uh, you try to, kind of perfect the use of that equipment over time and, and really become tuned into how it works. Whereas with the Ghost Adventures guys, it seems like uh, they're just bringing in new pieces of equipment to mm-hmm. try them out. And I know that they go through the process of, of learning how to use them and everything, but it seems like uh, each time something new comes out, you know, you can tell in their enthusiasm to use it. Right. Whereas with with TAPS, it seems more like, uh, you know, it must, I'm, I'm sure that the, a new piece of equipment must go through a long, lengthy discussion process yes. before you even decide whether or not to use it. Absolutely. And I think that's why there have been times where we've been accused of kind of being behind the times when it comes to paranormal investigation because there's things we're not using. But it's just because we want to make sure that this 
you know, item is actually getting results and that we know, you know, some things we don't even know how they're made, you know, or, or it's, it's stuff that has been kind of tampered with, you know, things that weren't really meant for investigating, but you know, somebody has gone in there and kind of manipulated them like the shack hack or something, (laughs) you know, and, uh, and that we don't want something that's not in its original intended form, you know? And and if you're a ghost hunter, the last thing you want to do is, uh, utilize this piece of equipment that somebody made in their basement. Right. And and present that to the world before you really know everything about it. Exactly. Exactly. Even though some of those pieces of equipment are really intense and, you know, I love, you know, I've used, uh, you know, on many occasions, you know, behind the scenes because I don't just investigate on camera. But um, it's just stuff I don't want really to put out there for public consumption yet. <laughs> what about what about hi-fi versus lo-fi? I mean, you've got the resources mm-hmm. to get some of the most, you know, the higher-end equipment. Yeah. You could have recorders that most paranormal investigators wouldn't be able to afford to bring with them on an investigation. So do you prefer to have the highest quality equipment possible in terms of the clarity, like say for a digital recorder? Mm-hmm. Do you want the highest quality sound? Are you using condenser-type quality microphones? Or would you rather have something that creates a little bit of internal noise to kind of give a little bit of extra um, something for the spirits to manipulate? I think there's something to be said for both. Um, I think that when we use a very, you know, high quality microphone, uh, it's easier to discern what we're hearing. You know, we could hear a whisper and know, oh, that was Adam sighing. You know, I Mm -hmm. can tell easier where if I do have something that does have some sort of internal noise uh, or is older, uh, it might not be as obvious, you know, and that could be mistaken for an EVP, but... You know, that being said, sometimes white noise seems to help, uh, seems to help with entities speaking, you know. So what would be ideal, which, you know, we don't always do, but we have done in the past, is where you run both. Right. Uh, and you review both things, and then if you find – we do this with our DVR cameras a lot. If you do find something on one recorder, you review that same moment on the other recorder – and see if there's another explanation or, you know, sometimes we'll kind of triangulate them. You know, we'll set up three recorders and with those you can figure out, you know, where was this noise? What was it the closest mm-hmm. to? And, um, but that's when we have the time. And, you know, sometimes we just don't, um, unfortunately. Well, one of the questions that I got on, on Facebook, somebody asking me personally this week, was they were asking me about the Panasonic uh, RR-DR60 yeah, recorder, I was bring that up. which is you know the, one of the most sought-after pieces of investigative equipment, and they go for huge money on eBay because it's been discontinued. Well, let me ask you this. Why do you think it's been discontinued? Right. You know, the clarity of audio isn't that great, and a lot of people want them because you can kind of create false positives out of it. I think so, and but I've seen some pretty compelling evidence from those. Like I've sat with the Constantinos, you know, in basements all over the country at this mm-hmm. point or wherever, and and listened to some things that come out of that recorder, and it's it's eerie. Um, but at the same time, there's a lot of other recorders running, and none of them pick up anything, or they're right. picking up, you know. So I I don't know. Um, I think that it's all definitely worth a try for sure. See, to me, it's got to be as, as clear as possible. Yeah. And, you know, I want to be able to eliminate all that other stuff. And if you feel like white noise or, or some kind of noise will help, then bring a white noise generator. Yes. You know, yes. you can get download an app on your phone. Exactly. And uh, what do you now? What do you use for, for a handheld recorder? Do you use a Zoom? Yes, we do. Yeah. Those, I mean, those seem to be the next... Uh, wave of easy to use, you know, for the paranormal community, you don't have to be an audiophile to figure out how to use one, and they're yeah. relatively affordable. Yeah, and I mean, 
I love them because they are very, very clear. Um, I love listening while I'm recording with them. I mean, I don't do that on the show too much, but sometimes I do while we're investigating. Because I can actually, they're just so crystal clear. I can hear everything that's going on in the room, even better than without it, obviously. Um, and so those, that I love them. I think they're definitely worth the money. They're like three or $400. So they're For not, the higher-end ones, yeah. yeah. That, the ones we're using, I think, are like three or 400 But you can get like entry-level ones. Like I have a Zoom H1 mm-hmm. that, that retails for like $99. I got it for 25 bucks off the clearance rack at Target. Nice. You know, and yeah. if you go into Target stores, you find them on there all the time because oh. as they come out with the new models, they're getting rid of those old ones. So it's it's mm-hmm. worth having it in your bag of tricks. Yeah. You know, if you maybe you have the the Panasonic RR and that's what you prefer to use, but you know, have this too, and like you said, run both of them. Right. See what you can get. I mean, Moniz, I know that you try to run as many different things as you can. All when you're different investigating. styles. Yeah, uh, everything from analog tape to early version digital to some of the newer stuff. Yeah. yeah. I actually at a yard sale, I called these guys up and I was like. Guys, I can get a reel-to-reel right now for like 10 bucks. Should I get it? Is it worth bringing to have one other thing? I think the only reason we decided not to get it is because we're like, that's great, but where are we going to get the tape, tape for it? Exactly. <laughs> yeah. But it's it, – but right, you, you, as much uh, different approaches that you can take to things. Is there ever a time though when you uh, feel – especially if you're investigating for the cameras mm-hmm. uh, where you feel like maybe it's just a little too much tech – happening and that you need to get that out of the way to make that connection always and it's one of the the things i tell people at events all the time you know when i'm teaching people is you know don't get so wrapped up in your equipment that you miss the full-bodied apparition that walks right in front of your face Mm -hmm. you know and i i see that happening but it can't be because my millimeter didn't spike (laughs) i know what there was no emf rating like um I, I feel like people overlook the fact that probably their their best asset is themselves. You know, you know when something changes in the room. You can hear, you know, you hear it with your own ears. You can feel it. And um, I am one of those investigators. I'm, I'm definitely not equipment heavy. Like, I always have something running, but you are not going to see me, like, you know, with the the millimeter and you know my recorder and the uh, camera all you know juggling these things it's not going to happen but you say you have something running but is that is it running though just to be almost a redundancy to what you're experiencing is it there just to kind of quantify your experience absolutely because especially when you're investigating for a client you know if i have an experience um or sometimes they can help me debunk an experience or disprove it you know i might think i saw you know something fly through the room and then I look on the camera and it was a huge moth, you know, something like that. So I do try to have something running to back it up at all times. Well, bear in mind, the equipment is there just to augment your own natural senses. The camera sees in spectrums your eyes can't. Mm -hmm. The recorders hear in frequencies your ears don't. The EMF detectors act like your skin and galvanic response. And you have, you know, ion meters that will replace your sense of smell. And if you're tasting a ghost, you've got issues. (laughs) I haven't had that happen yet. Although, believe it or not, sense of taste can also be part of an experience. People have tasted blood. Oh, uh, yeah, and, that and, makes sense. Yeah, mm-hmm. so, but uh, that's all the equipment is really there for is to augment your own experience. Right. Now, this might be a little bit of a tricky question, uh, but it's, it's something <laughs> that, you know, I wonder what we, we get into fights with people that are in the paranormal community because we don't really play by a lot of the rules. You know, like uh, I support websites like Worst Paranormal. And and them calling out groups and, and 
putting it up there for debate. Uh, but I also support when people are like, you know, let's stop all this infighting. With a, I'm not going to run around and wave that power unity flag. We did it no. for a while. And it's it's crap. But we did it for a while. And so we kind of, you know, walk that fence a little bit to some degree. But we do get a lot of slack when we will criticize some of the television shows. And I've kind of done like a 180 on it and said, you know, let's not criticize them anymore. Let's just take them for what they are right. as being entertainment vehicles. And and that's what it's really all about. So in terms of the response that you get from the viewers of the show, do you think that there's a, a big difference between those who are – paranormal investigators who watch the show because of the paranormal connection and those who are just fans of a good television show? Is there is there definitely a, a line in the sand between those those in the fan base? Definitely. I mean, and, and I see it the most when we do appearances and stuff because, you know, you'll the paranormal investigators will come up and they'll have, like, their case of, you know, equipment and they want to show it to you and talk to you about it. And then there's people that just watch the show because they find it entertaining. And there's people who are just like, you're crazy. I could never do what you do, but Mm -hmm. I love watching the show. And so there's, I don't think that they're necessarily like clashing or anything, but there's definitely those two different types of fans and, um, they're great. They're great. And I, I, I always try to tell people, um, and this is why, what, why I lecture so much on like the history of the paranormal and ghost hunting. And, you know, I always try to tell people who have been introduced to the paranormal because of our show, I tell them to make sure to, you know, go out and read some books and learn a lot more because, you know, ghost hunting didn't start in 2004. You know, it's been around for a very, very long time and it's very, it's fascinating. I mean, it's fascinating history as to, you know, how we got to where we are. And uh, we are just part of a wave right now. And I try to explain to them mm-hmm. that in 10 years, it's not going to be like this. But, you know, the diehards will still be investigating. We'll just be back to being nerds. <laughs> <laughs> Nothing wrong with that. No, no, it's great. And uh, so, yeah, that's there is a difference for sure. I'm actually working on a show, just on a side note, for later on this summer. You remember that movie, Who's Harry Crumb? Yeah. Well, we're going to have a show called Who's Harry Price? Because it's amazing to me, like, how few people know that name. And it's like, but there was showmanship involved in the pursuit of the paranormal long before, you know, Ghost Hunters and and other shows of that ilk. Yeah, he uh, he brought his, he was the first, like, broadcast of paranormal investigation on the radio, which is so interesting to me. That makes him a god to us. (laughs) Yeah. And, uh, and, you know, they don't even, they'll, they'll rave about George Nori and half of them don't even know who Art Bell is. Yeah. And then an even smaller, (laughs) an even smaller percentage knows who Long John Neville is, who was the guy who inspired Art Bell. So it's, it's just amazing how much they have, not necessarily blinders, but just they don't see the need to expand the knowledge. No, and when they start, I mean, there's a treasure trove of information out there. You know, it's just there's so much. And um, and so when somebody has a real true interest, like they've stumbled on a gold mine pretty much. Um, I mean, but if there's people that just watch the show and just want to go and do what we do, you know, people ask me all the time, how do I become a paranormal investigator? And I usually say, well, you don't just like decide to be one. You need to go read up on books. You need to talk to local teams. You know, it's it's years. And I said, definitely don't start your own team yet. <laughs> yeah, know? and so many people are like, oh, what's the best way to what's the best way to start a team? Um, the best way to start a team is to join another one first, learn what yes, not to do, exactly, and then go out and do it. Yeah. What but then, you can't get the matching shirts and just oh, do gosh. it. That, well, you, you can't. You have to have a goatee if you're a guy. <laughs> 
true. You have to have a backwards hat. Everybody has to pose for pictures like this. Yes. It's Guilty. Ridiculous. We've done it. Of course. Everybody's done it. And, and it's funny because, you know, a lot of people uh, like to look at it and, and they want to be the dissenting voice in the paranormal. So they want to come out and they want to attack a show like Ghost Hunters, you know, and say, you know, we're, we stand for something because we, we attack this show and, and, you know, we don't take what they tell us at face value. And it's like, well, you know, Hans Holzer did that at the beginning. Yeah. You know, he was calling out Jason and Grant and saying, you know, they're just running around in the dark with a bunch of gizmos. You know, so it's, that's already been done. And the community has already kind of moved on from it. One of the things that surprises me, I don't know how much of this you see from uh, your position on the other side of the camera, so to speak, but there is a clash. You you said there isn't really a lot of clashing between the two sides of the fan base, Mm -hmm. but there is whenever somebody decides to question something that happens on the show. So if, you know, if your Joe Schmo average investigator has been doing this for a long time and, and you want to call out something that happens and, Right or wrong, usually they're wrong because mm-hmm. they're, it's something that they're looking at not objectively. But, you know, they'll call you off for something that you do on the show. And then all the fans who are just that, not investigators, will attack them because it's a personal slight against you right. or Jason or Grand Tango, whoever. So there is kind of that disconnect. And I think that's where we're getting a lot of this drama from that mm-hmm. people are associating with the television shows. It's not so much that. You can't call out. I mean, I call out what happens on TV all the time. I watch some of these shows that my wife watches. Uh, you know, uh, I don't even know the names of them, but like, you know, a lady goes in and like takes over people's uh, hair salons and oh, makes yeah, them better. Yeah, yeah. Or, or uh, you know, I'll watch like the restaurant shows where they do that. And I'll look at them and be like, oh, this is so staged. You know, I, I watch Hardcore Pawn all the time. It's got to be the most staged show on television. <laughs> but that doesn't take away from the enjoyment of it. Right. And it doesn't mean that I can't criticize what goes on because that's the way that I perceive it. Mm-hmm. And I'm sure that you would love to hear people's you know, feedback about the way that you investigate without having all this noise surrounding it. Yeah, I mean, it's hard because no matter how much people criticize the show, which is a lot, um, they're not there and they don't realize that the camera isn't going to capture the entire investigation. And, and it doesn't have to be us versus them, though. No. Oh, no, no, no. And it's, it's, um, it's hard because I realize that uh, for an investigator who's been doing this for years and years, of course it's very easy for them to watch and be like, oh, well, I would have done this differently. But the fact of the matter is they don't know if we did it differently. <laughs> they right. don't know. They, you know. And, so, um, and then there are the fans who do take it as kind of a slight, and they, they want to defend us, which I think is very sweet. But, um, you know, it's just it's – just, I, I guess maybe I'm out of touch with it because I don't read it anymore. Like, I just can't because right. I want to respond. And I've tried on many occasions. You know, there are people out there that have – Written, you know, or put together these like crazy YouTube videos and stuff. They're like, this is proof that this didn't happen, <laughs> you know? And I will go on there and I will say, hey, let me just give you some background as to, you know, what happened here and da 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 and, and explain it. And they'll delete my comments because right. they don't want to know the truth. They want to attract attention. For, and that's, that's not an explanation. That's spin. Yeah, exactly. And they, they, they want to attract attention for being, you know, taps haters <laughs> right. pretty much. So um, I've realized that now. And so I just, I just don't even respond. And, and you don't have to say it, but I will. Uh, we all know the reason that a lot of this us versus them takes place is just because of jealousy. It is. And it's sad because, you know, there can only be 
so many TV shows about paranormal investigators, and you were there first. Yeah, and and you know, it's not even the, a matter of being there first. It's just a, right place, right time. You right. Know, they they saw an, uh, an article written about Jay and Grant, and that's that's what it took. And you know, and so I see so many shows, like I or shows rather. See, that's how bad it is. Um, I see so many teams <laughs> where I go to their website. And more than, you know, what investigations they've done, they have, like, you know, all the media they've done. You know, right. they, they're talking about that as opposed to, you know, where they've investigated or who they've helped. And YouTube clips of their yeah. appearance on local cable access. Exactly. And, and it's just that's not what it's that's not what's important, you know. And, and people will come up to me all the time and say, oh, you know, we're working on a pilot for this and that. And I'm like, how how right. you, you know so it's uh it's definitely an interesting way of of things right now in the paranormal field but but you know you have to kind of take it the way that it goes exactly and it is a wave and although if you would have told me that the show would have been on for nine years i would have been you're crazy <laughs> I, I, i'll be honest with you and, and this is no offense to you or the show or anybody i thought this bubble was going to pop a few years ago mm-hmm. and it just keeps going they just keep finding new ways to prolong the life expectancy of this current surge of the paranormal. Yeah, and, and I think that um, it's inexpensive television to make, mm-hmm. and it's entertaining. Um, it fits the reality genre perfectly. Um, but I think that what they're all missing, because they do keep trying, what they're missing is that organic feel that we were talking about earlier they're just not they're not capturing that with any of the other shows you know the only other show that they've captured that with i feel is is ghost adventures and they are the only other show where they all knew each other before they did the show right you know so i think that's a huge part of it and i I don't think that you know but even even then they're not a team who is going out and doing residential cases and, and they're not investigating any time really that isn't being recorded for television well no but at the same time you know you can see that they know each other, you know, that they didn't just come in and, you know, they weren't cast. Right. <laughs> so. So we'll, we'll talk about all this stuff and more. We're going to take a break. But when we come back on the other side, I do want to talk to you since we are almost on the cusp of your first Mother's Day here yes. about being a mom and being an investigator. Okay. Uh, because I know that it's something that, you know, I was a dad before I started doing Spooky South Coast. But I was consciously aware that maybe stepping into that world might negatively affect the world that I'm in now. And now that my son's eight, there's questions and I'm going through all that. So you've got that to look forward oh, to. Great. So uh, we'll take a break. And if you want to call in and ask some questions of Amy or share your own thoughts and, and feelings, 508-996-0500, Those are the numbers. If you want to get a hold of us here, you can also tweet us uh, at spooky SC and you can email us spooky crew at SpookySouthCoast.com. We'll be right back with more in just a minute here on Spooky South Coast. It blew books off shelves from 20 feet away and scared the socks off some poor librarian. Turn on all your lights, lock the doors, and pull down the shades. Spooky South Coast is back. This looks extraordinarily bad. <laughs> All right, welcome back to the final segment of the show for this week with our guest Amy Bruni here with us in the Spooky Studio. Give her a call, 
1-877-996-1420. And uh, we were talking about being a mom and, and the difference that it's made in your life. And it does. I mean, I'm not that I'm a mom, but I'm a dad. <laughs> and it does change things for sure, uh, just in terms of your general everyday life. But I'm sure as a paranormal investigator and as somebody who's out there filming a TV show, you yes. know, for, for weeks at a time, it's probably had a, a direct impact on you as well. It did. My schedule had to change. I basically told them, you know, I couldn't come back to the show unless I was only gone for like a night or two at a time. Like I couldn't do the the gone weeks at a time thing anymore. So now um, my schedule is very different. Um, I fly in for the investigations only and then I go home and um, it's been great. I mean, it was tough investigating. The hardest part was probably investigating pregnant and it wasn't that you know, I was worried about anything. It was just, I was exhausted and staying up till, you know, three or four in the morning. And even though Steve would not, he always sent me home. He'd never made, or he never let me break down, you know? Um, and so there was that, but, um, now it's just leaving her. Even the first time I left was a nightmare. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, I was only gone for two nights or something. And, uh, it was just the hardest thing ever, you know, and uh, and now it's almost like a little mini vacation. <laughs> it's like, oh, I get to sleep all night. This when she's exciting. like 12, we're going to play her back the podcast. I know, I know, and I'm going to feel intensely guilty, I'm sure. But, um, yeah, it's kind of like the only time, you know, because otherwise I'm home full time with her. And so um, it's kind of the only time I get a little time to myself or get to do, you know, something that I love. And so um, not that I don't love her, you know, obviously, but... Um, it's nice, especially the sleeping part. <laughs> <laughs> now, has it changed the way that you approach the job of being a paranormal investigator at all? A little bit. Um, not necessarily like because I'm nervous about the ghost aspect, but right. um, just some of the places we go into are, you know, pretty dilapidated and scary. And um, my personal safety, I feel like I've I've always been one of those people who just run right into a location and not, you know ask questions later <laughs> but now i'm more cautious you know i don't i i don't want anything to happen to me and i right. just you know i feel like somebody's relying on me now you know it's not just me anymore i actually have someone who who needs me so i'm a lot more careful in that regard see one of the things that i look at differently is you know when i was a kid and i was studying this stuff reading all the books and everything i always thought like i found child ghost cases to be extremely interesting because I'm like, you know, it seems like a kid would definitely stay stuck in a certain place. Right. And, you know, so that those kind of cases always drew my interest. But now that I'm a dad, I don't really want to have anything to do with those cases because I don't want to think about that kind of a possibility. It is really hard. And uh, it seemed like for a while, like two or three cases in a row when I went back, we were you know dealing with places where infants had died. And I was like, really? <laughs> we're going to do this yeah. now? And uh and so that is just, that is a tough part. But then at the same time, I feel like I'm a little more understanding. And, like, I already feel like I kind of had the maternal vibe happening just because mm-hmm. I have a lot of brothers and sisters and stuff. But now I feel like I'm even more understanding of that. And um, I think it's kind of helped a little bit. And it just helps me to kind of understand more where a child entity might be coming from and what they might need to hear um, and so it's kind of helped me in that regard. But I don't like to think about it, obviously. Like, it's like the worst thing ever. Now, I'm sure you, know, you probably have some time to, to think about this, but have you given thought to how you're going to handle the questions that will come up later in her life when, you know, when she's afraid of 
whatever's in her room. And you don't really know how to explain that because there could be somebody in her room. Thanks, Tim. (laughs) I went went through it right away. (laughs) You know, my, well, I'll I'll tell you a quick story. I've told on this on the show before, but my wife's father, uh, I'm sorry, my wife's grandfather passed away right before my son was born. He had ALS Mm. and he was trying to hang on so that he could see his first great grandchild. And uh, he died on mother's day and my son was born, you know, father's day weekend. So, he uh, he tried, and he, he just couldn't make it. So when my son was like two, you know, we'd see him pointing to the corner of the room, and, and he'd be talking to something that we couldn't see. And we said to him, you know, who are you talking to? And he would say, Charlie. And that was her grandfather's oh, name. Wow. And, you know, he never heard that name otherwise, that he would have just pulled that out. And he would name all of his stuffed animals Charlie. Oh, you know, goodness. he seemed to have that connection. So we were kind of confronted right away. We thought we had some time. And instead, you know, we had to kind of look at it from a different perspective and now you know he's eight and he's a little bit scared of what i do and he doesn't want to go to these locations with me and when we do legend trips events right. i'm like dude there's going to be all the pizza you can eat come and yeah. eat and he's like man none of his spirits there well and you know it just might not be his thing like that's kind of how i feel about it with charlotte like if she comes around and wants to go then of course but um i mean i haven't really thought about how i'll handle the difficult questions yet um I'm just trying to get her to sleep through the night at this point. So, um, but you know, when that time comes, I mean, honestly, like I, I was a little nervous just because, uh, I investigated so many places pregnant and, you know, not that I was worried. Well, I was, one of my best friends is Adam Bly, who's a demonologist. Mm-hmm. And I asked him point blank before I went out and investigated, I was like, you know, do I have anything to worry about? And he said, honestly, Probably not. He's like, right. and he's like, but yeah, you know, there is a very small, minuscule chance. He's like, I have heard of like one case in, you know, hundreds of years where somebody reportedly had something that attached to a child in the womb. And that was enough for me to be like, okay, so what do I do to not have that not happen? <laughs> and so, um, so that when I was investigating pregnant, I didn't hold any equipment. I didn't have any line into me, basically. It was kind of the, the thought process. And so, um, but anyways, we did investigate a place that was pretty crazy. Uh, it was the Old City Jail in uh, North Charleston. And uh, one of our production coordinators, Hagar, just got scratched all over. It's all on the show. And um, when we were investigating there, I felt like something hugged my legs, like a small person, like a child wow. hugged my legs when I was upstairs. And I, nothing bad happened to me there. And as a matter of fact, the scratching started happening to her when she asked me how I felt investigating in a place where babies had died <laughs> and being pregnant. And it was a really hardcore question. And I, I started crying and said, I, I can't even answer this. Like, camera off, please. And uh, that's when the scratching happened to her. And so not that uh, she, was, she was she was just doing her job, you know, um, but... Anyway, so that upstairs, I felt like this little person hugging my legs. And when I got home, I started seeing things in the house. And I didn't say anything because I've never really had anything follow me home, you know, whatever. And then my boyfriend, who's like the most skeptical person, like thinks that everything we do is just BS. Like, it's just, <laughs> and uh, he said something to me one night. We're sitting there uh, on the couch, and he's like, you think you brought something home with you? <laughs> and I'm like, what are you talking about? He's like, 
I guess something happened upstairs and something like crashed and there was no explanation for it. And then he thought he saw something. And, you know, if you knew him, like, it's just not in character for him at all. Like, and so now we joke about it. That's because Charlotte does sometimes like look off in the corner or whatever, but she's just a baby. But, you know, we joke about it. She talks in her sleep sometimes. And he's like, she's speaking Latin. (laughs) (laughs) So no, but, um, so, I mean, maybe something followed me home. Maybe it didn't. I mean, we haven't had anything too crazy happen. But I, I literally do not worry about it. Well, aside from the paranormal aspects of what you do, mm-hmm. uh, I'm sure that you probably took a lot of precautions worrying about things like, you know, asbestos. Yes. High EMF, you know, things like that that could all have some sort of negative exactly. health repercussions. Well, yeah, and it was funny because I, I didn't tell anybody that I was pregnant for a while. You know, I waited till at le- I was at least 12 weeks. I don't even think I told the crew till I was like 14 weeks or something. But I told Adam, Steve, and Dave right away because I, I needed them in my corner because I was really, really sick, like really sick. And, uh, and there was one night where we had to go down into the bottom of the USS North Carolina or some ship we were investigating. And it was all asbestos signs everywhere. And I saw it and I looked at Adam and I'm like, I can't do this. Like, and so I, I told them I wasn't doing it. And so I, I know I came off as this total diva, but it was just (laughs) because I, I couldn't do, like, I just couldn't do it. And uh, there was another time where I needed to take something. I had a headache, and the only thing I could take was ibuprofen. And the production assistant gave me like aspirin or something I couldn't take being pregnant. And again, I know I came off as this total diva, <laughs> but she had no idea that I was pregnant. But anyway, so yes, there were things like that that came up, and I had to, you know, deal with them. But um, overall, you know, there was no more climbing, uh, climbing ladders or, you know, precariously perching myself up to get a camera at the right angle. You know, that all had to end. And, and, uh, I don't think enough was paid attention to the fact that, you know, everybody made a big deal about when Grant was leaving the show and nobody ever thought, gee, maybe he just doesn't want to be around a a pregnant woman again after all the times (laughs) he's gone through it. He's like, I've had enough of that. It was crazy because I knew I was pregnant when he, I, when he told us that day, like on the show, when he told us that he was leaving, that was legit. We had no idea why we were having this meeting. And we were like, maybe we're going to Hawaii again. Like, just, <laughs> you know, maybe this is good news. But we were, inside, we knew it was awful, awful news. We thought we were just, we thought that they had decided to quit the show and that it was done. And um, I knew I was pregnant, but I didn't want to say anything yet. And so. Grant tells me this, and I'm just this like hormonal mess, and so I'm just bawling like, "Oh, Grant's leaving," you know. And so I did not tell Jay and Grant uh, about me being pregnant until we were wrapped on that last case because I just didn't want t- to take away from his mm-hmm. time at all, and um, and so I didn't tell them until we were all done. So. And also, you don't want people to look at you differently, and, and people just naturally do that with a, yeah. a pregnant woman. They want to say, "No, no, don't do that." You know, let me get that right. for you. And that's exactly what happened because I work with like an, a bunch of incredible gentlemen and they were just like everything. I couldn't do anything. I was getting frustrated, to be honest. But um, and then the inevitable rumor started that Grant was leaving because I was having his baby and yada, yada, yada. <laughs> and I was like, oh, my God. <laughs> you know, but that's that's what happens. Yes. I mean, what, what can you do about it? I guess. You know, if, if people are taking the time to make up crazy stories about you, at least it means they're paying attention. Right. Exactly. That's that's what Britt always tells me. He's like, hey, at least they got your name spelled right. And I'm like, oh. <laughs> <laughs> there, But there is, you know, the, there's always going to be those who 
um, want to create even more drama out of something oh, that they yeah. need to. And yeah. it can never be something as simple as, you know, hey, I'm kind of burnt out from doing this all the time. And I just want to take some time and spend it with my family and some of my other passions. And that was it. You know, for him, it's you, people have to remember he was on the show for eight years. And anybody who's at a job for eight years, especially one that involves that much travel, he just got to the point where he just wanted to be home. And that was it. It wasn't, there was no drama. There was nothing crazy. <laughs> like, he just wanted to be home and focus on his other things. And it's funny. If you go back and you watch some of the episodes, and, and now, you know, we've had, you know, I've met him personally, and so I I know what he's like um, when you see him one-on-one. But you can tell, even if you're just somebody who watches the show, as the seasons progress, you can just tell more and more that it's, it's wearing on him. Mm-hmm. You know, and you can kind of see that, you know, these are – people who need a break and when you watch these and i know that they don't always air them in the in the order that you mm-hmm. f- you film them but when you go season to season you can just see the toll that it it must take on you having to go out there and do this all the time and not only that but people forget all the other stuff that go you know you got to be there at the upfront you got to go to all these conventions the events all yes. these different things uh there was one year the year before i was pregnant that i was on the road for 300 days like i counted it all oh. i looked at my calendar i at that point i gave up trying to have a home i put everything in storage and I just lived in hotels. You know, it was just, if I wasn't filming the show, I was doing an event or a convention. Like, I just, I was never home. And so as soon as, you know, um, Jimmy and my boyfriend and I decided to have kids, we were like, I was like, well, we're going to have to change all of this. Like, I can't be gone like this. And so um, it's been nice that I've been able to change it because I could not have carried on like that. <laughs> <laughs> the E Street Band is the hardest working band in the show business, and they're not out there 300 nights no, a year. So no. that just goes to show you. And also, it's not exactly like you're keeping nine to five hours no, <laughs> while you're out no. there. No, it's like completely unnatural. You're working all night, you know, one or two nights in a row, and then you're working during the day for the next four. You know, just you're never on a set schedule. You're in different time zones. You know, it's it's it was rough. It's grueling. Well, hopefully, uh, you can take tomorrow and just have a nice, peaceful, relaxing day. Oh yeah. Definitely. For your first, any big plans for your first Mother's Day? Uh, my in-laws have something planned for me, so I think that uh, I'm going to go over there, and we're just going to sit back, and uh, they're going to take care of me and feed me food and wine. <laughs> no, nothing wrong with that. I, I always, I always tell like you know relatives and, and friends when when they're having kids, you know, the first Father's Day and and Mother's Day are the best for you mm-hmm. uh, because you know everybody cares about you there's going to be a few years where it's like all right you know you've been a mom for a couple of years now and, and your child doesn't quite get the concept but yeah. then once they're old enough to understand what's going on that's when it becomes something really special that's what i hear when i get my first gift from charlotte it's going to be a magical experience of, of course you know my wife's been dropping hints all week that all she really wants to do on mother's day is sleep late and i keep looking at her and saying you know I, I know, but it's my only day to sleep late, too. So I had a talk with my son before I left the house, and I said, okay, I'm going to do Spooky South Coast. Now, listen, you're eight years old. You're a man now. So when you wake up tomorrow, you're pretty much on your own. Oh, don't wake me up and don't wake mom up it. either. Oh, that's my dream. If I could sleep in, but it's not going to happen. I, I expect scrambled eggs and bacon waiting for, for both oh. of us tomorrow morning. So, uh, But, you know, seriously, in all seriousness, you know, happy Mother's Day to all the mothers out there. Uh, and Moni's happy Mother's Day to you because you're the biggest mother I know. <laughs> Thank you. Every sweet. year I drop that same joke yeah. on you. <laughs> you can just see, like, as soon as I say Moni's, his eyes light up. He's like, I see it coming. <laughs> so, uh, so really, what's uh, what's on the calendar for you coming up? I mean, I know you said it's it's going to be a little bit of time that you get to spend at home now. Yeah. I mean, we have um, 
Well, I'm going to Fort Mifflin over Memorial Day weekend, and then uh, we have already booked the Stanley for next year for April. Um, I have, gosh, Eastern State Penitentiary coming up in July. Um, we're film or we're planning something. There's a winery in Missouri, Belvoir Winery, that we filmed at recently. That was crazy because it's this complex of buildings. That one was a hospital, one was a nursing home, one was a uh, retirement home, and one was an orphanage. And this guy bought this complex and turned the orphanage into a winery. But the other buildings are still kind of old and falling apart. And oh, wow. It's really it was a really cool place. So I can't wait for people to see that episode. But we're we're planning something there soon. So lots of stuff going on. For and sure. and you're doing events with both Beyond Reality events and with Ideal. Yes, yes. So you can go to the Taps website to find out where anybody is, and that's just the Atlantic Paranormal Society dot com, and they can see where everybody's going to be. You know, we're always doing conventions and lectures and investigations, and and they can go to amybruni.net, right? Yes, to learn everything about you and to get your t-shirts. True. Yes, yes, I have this whole line of t-shirts I've been designing. It's been kind of fun. You do, you've been designing them yourself, working on all the well, designs. Well, what I've, I've been looking, well, I, I try to find like interesting old, like vintage, mm-hmm. like anatomy plates and stuff, and make t-shirts out of them, and it's pretty fun. Just different. Have you uh, have you been out? You know, like it's one thing when you go to like a convention or an event or something, you see people in your t-shirts. But have you been walking down the street yet and seen somebody in one? Can I tell you the craziest story? Sure. I heard a friend of mine went to a club in Florida, and this was like last week, and. Some guy there was wearing an Amy Bruni t-shirt to a club. I'm club wear now, apparently. Nice. And it was that one with like the red hair and it was signed. But this is a, these only come in ladies t-shirts, but this man was wearing it. It was very tight and he was wearing it to the club. So, yes. (laughs) So you're up there now with, uh, with Zach's dungeon wear and big stepping and all the stuff. Now it's in the club. I haven't seen any of that, but I've seen some tweets here and there. I have to check it out. (laughs) <laughs> all right well that about does it for this week's show we want to thank our guest amy bruni for joining us in the studio come back again hang oh, out with us anytime thank you you know and I, I remember you know all the great questions that you used to ask as, as a host and as an interviewer and all that stuff so you know we could use some of that intelligence around here <laughs> all right. so feel free to come back anytime <laughs> thank you and that does it for this week's show we'll be back next week and we'll be talking about the south coast touring comic show and uh we will also be hopefully having Gil Gerard in the studio, but at least some of the stars of that uh, event will be here talking with us. And then coming up after that, we have Tyrone E. Keys, who will be talking to us about his novel Quantum Dawn and the idea of the quantum universe, and then a whole bunch more uh, coming up throughout the summer. We, we've got it booked all the way up until the fall, so we are going to have tons of fun here on the show. So uh, until next week, for Matt Moniz, for Matt Costa, for Chris Balzano, I'm Tim Weisberg. We want you all to stay spooktacular. <laughs>